It is such an honor to be with you this morning. Um, the worship has been so amazing. So if I'm a little bit subdued this morning, it's because from the first song, I was just in tears because of the presence of God that is in this place. I don't know if you felt the presence of God. As soon as you start singing about the holiness of God, there's just something that happens in the atmosphere. I really felt such a tangible presence of God. I even leaned over to Jonah and I said, whatever you guys are doing here, it's working. <laughs> whatever you're doing, it's working. So I want to just start by saying I want to give honor to, uh, first and foremost, God the Almost High. Let's give God the round of praise. God the Almost High. He's worthy of all our praise. Why I want us to start with him is because I will not be standing here today if it wasn't for him. So today, I'm not going to share my testimony, but some of you will know my testimony growing up in Porch's room. To be standing here today, it's a miracle. I also want to honor our leaders, Jonathan and Lindry. Thank you so much for how you've led this congregation so well. Can we give them a round of applause for the amazing work they're doing here? And I also want to honor my brother from another mother, but the same father, Peter Coffey. Let's give Peter and Anneli a round of applause. So because he's Peter, I'm Simon, we are brothers. But not only that, we've journeyed together from when they were still in Bloemfontein. We would go and visit them, and my kids have been to their house. They were still babies then. Uh, now they're big. And I'm going to embarrass my kids. I'm going to ask them to stand, all three of them. Lemo, Zinzi, Rory, please stand. These are my kids. These are my kids. Thank you. There's nothing that gives me so much joy than when your children serve the Lord. You know, my son also just completed matric. He just got his driver's license. He's going to Academy of Sound Engineering this year. I'm like, praise God, something great has come out of our prayers. We've done something well, baby. <laughs> Yesterday, he was with the outreach uh, back in Johannesburg at Rosebank. Twice a month, we do an outreach. And they saw four souls gave their lives to Jesus. Can we give God a round of praise for that? Amen. <laughs> praise God. It's always difficult to preach when you visit family because there's so much you can say just talking about family. I also want to honor Wendy. I know Harry is in America right now. Uh, we've served with them for many, many years. Uh, from Botswana, we've traveled with them. Uh, I used to be a missions pastor in my other life. I've had a couple of lives. I was an engineer, a missions pastor, now I'm a pastor, pastor. So Harry, Harry and Wendy, we've traveled with them. I've traveled with Harry and Philip all the way to South Sudan, to Kenya, uh, in my other life, as I say. And I want us to just honor this couple. Let's give them a round of applause. <laughs> Harry and Wayne, great job. Amen. You think I'm done with the intro? I'm going to go through the whole entire church. Uh, Nolan and Mpointle, just wave your hands over there. They are dear friends of ours. Nolan and Mpointle, we love you guys. Uh, this morning as we were driving here, we told one of our kids, do you know that they are your godparents? You're like, oh, really? <laughs> so we haven't done a good job just to remind our children who their godparents are. Friends, this morning, as I get ready to share the word with you, um, I met with a young man this last Wednesday. I had coffee with a young man. And uh, this young man has been trying to see me from uh, late last year, and my calendar would not just allow for me to meet with him. 
for those who don't know, I'm also studying masters in theology, just like Jono. So my time is very limited. I don't even have time to watch soccer or rugby, except if it's the finals of the rugby. <laughs> That's a different story. And I'll come to Bafana Bafana just now, because we believe in a God of miracles. <laughs> As I was meeting with this young man, I didn't have time to meet him. He's been trying hard to meet with me, and uh, calendar just didn't work. And this time around, I made a point to meet with him, to have a sit-down with him, to hear why he wants to see me, because my PA has been trying hard to understand why he wants to see me, but he just says, I just need to meet with Pastor Sai. For those who come from my neighborhood, I'm called Muruti Sai. Muruti is pastor. I'm a pastor, so they call me Muruti. So I sat down with him, and he told me that, Pastor Sai, you don't know me. A couple of years ago, uh, I was an Uber driver. I was driving you from the church to your house. Even though it's only five-kilometer drive, you took time to get to know me, and you prayed for me. What you don't know is at that time, I was out of church, I was just down and out. Things were really bad. He wasn't even a member of our church at the time. And you prayed for me. My business had gone through such a terrible state that we had to close down. But after you prayed for me and you invited me to church, things started changing in my life. And he says last year he started coming to church. He's in a connect group being discipled. He's done victory training. He's done other leadership courses that we have. And he says, I've now registered for leadership 215. I'm sitting down with this man and I see that there's actually a call of God on his life that he's going to be one of our church planters. But now go back to the time that I met with him and I prayed with him. Little did I know that he was going through a season of refinement and purification for where God wants to take him. So a lot of us, when that season of refinement and purification comes, we shun it away. We don't want it. But it is a season that is preparing you for where God is taking you. So I'm telling you his story because I see now his business is booming, that he's doing so well that God is restoring everything that the enemy has stolen. And I want to say for some of you today, whatever the enemy has stolen from you, God will restore. God will restore. Amen. You know, we're talking about holiness restored. This is our topic for this morning as we've been doing this series set apart, holiness restored. And I do believe in a God of restoration. God restores. Whatsoever the enemy has stolen, God will restore. Amen. Please open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter Seven. That's going to be our main text. But before we go to our main text, I want to just read Hebrews 3 verse 1 for you. Hebrews 3 verse 1. The Bible says, Therefore, holy brethren, it's up on the screen, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. So before we go to our main text, just the book of Hebrews itself, written to people who are going through a rough patch as believers, who are facing many challenges. You remember when you read Hebrews 10, uh, 35, it speaks about do not neglect the gathering of the believers because things were so tough that they even stopped going to church. 
Now, when we read here in Hebrews 3, verse 1, the Bible says, Therefore, holy brethren, the author is saying, holy brethren, holy brothers and sisters, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. Now, when you study scripture, it is so, so important to realize the importance of words. When the Bible says consider Jesus, the word consider is not just a suggestion. Why consider this or that? It's not just think about it. The root word, if you go to the Greek of consider, is focus intensely on something. To focus intensely on something. To lock your eyes on something. To fix your gaze on something. So when we talk about holiness restored, this morning I want to start by saying, brothers and sisters, consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. Look closely. Look intensely on this Jesus. Fix your gaze on this Jesus. As I said right from the beginning, I will not be standing here if it wasn't for this Jesus. So I want you to remember this word. Consider Jesus. Before we read our text, let me just say, our nation is going through a time of refinement and purification. How many of you can agree with me? The nation is going through a time of refinement and purification. And I'm going to challenge you towards the end that let us not give up on this nation. What we need to do is to consider Jesus. Let us consider Jesus. What is Jesus saying about South Africa? What is Jesus dreaming about South Africa? All the prophetic words that have been spoken about our nation, I believe that they are yes and amen, and they will come to being. They will come to pass. I don't know if you know about the process of purifying gold. You have to put it in a crucible, and it goes through the temperature of 1,000 degrees Celsius. To boil your water at home to have tea, you need only about 100 degrees Celsius. So imagine 1,000 degrees Celsius of, of, of fire to refine gold. I do believe that our nation is going through refinement. Amen. Let us bow our heads to pray. Father, as we get ready to open your word and to hear what you have to say to us, I pray that we will consider Jesus. May we consider and look intently on what he has to say about us this morning and about our nation. I pray, Father, that God, we will see that, God, you have plans to prosper us and not to harm us as individuals, as communities, as neighborhoods, and as a nation. You have a plan to prosper us. In Jesus' name, amen. So let us read together Hebrews chapter 7. I'm reading from verse 23. It will be up on the screen. Hebrews chapter 7. I'm reading from verse 23. And by the way, Jono, there was such an amazing introduction. I hope you've recorded it from my school and ma. I need to, I need to have my mother-in-law listen to that. Uh, she's a great woman. I'm just saying she needs to hear that, you know, her daughter married to a good man. Verse 23, the former priests were many in number 
but they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people. Since he did this once and for all when he offered up himself, for the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath which came later than the law appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. This is the word of the Lord. Friends, from the scripture we've read, there are three things I would like us to consider this morning. And these three things are here on the screen. I want us to consider the problem with priests. So in the olden days, they had priests that would come and represent God's people and bring the sins of the people before the Lord in the Holy of Holies. I want us also to consider the problem with lambs. We sang about lambs this morning, but the one and only lamb of God, which is Jesus Christ. The lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. And finally, I want us to look at the final sacrifice that is Jesus Christ. So as you go to the next slide, look at this. The problem with priests. Priests die and priests sin. Now, I want you to get this picture very clearly. You must be grateful that you actually live in the new covenant and not in the old covenant. If you lived in the old covenant, when you sinned, you needed to bring an animal, and this animal had to be slaughtered for the sake of your sins. Now, you can go and study it in detail. You will understand that in those days, there were certain sacrifices for certain sins. So... If you had a bigger sin, you better bring a bigger animal. People will see you coming to church with your cow, <laughs> coming to sacrifice your cow, and they'll say, oh, what did they do this time? <laughs> imagine that. Imagine. Imagine you had to go to church this morning, and you had to bring your sheep or your goat, and it's like, oh, what have they done this time? We need to be grateful that we live in the time of grace. You know, Scripture says, For the former priests were many in number because they were prevented from death from continuing in the office. Those priests, they had to present the sacrifices for the sins of the people. They had to present the sacrifices before the Lord. But the Bible says they were finitude. They, were, they, they had a, a minimum way that they could help. But Jesus is a different kind of priest. Jesus is a priest who's able to go into eternity because he is not finite. He is infinite. Consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. Those are my words for you this morning. Consider this priest who's not finite, who's infinite. Verse 27 says, those high priests offer sacrifices daily. First for their own sins because they themselves were fallen. And for the sins of the people. Now, I want to explain it to you this way. 
Imagine the temple in the olden days. If this was a temple, there was a holy place, and then there was a holy of holies. Now, the priest needed to bring the blood to the holy of holies. But when the priest takes the blood to the Holy of Holies as an atonement for the sins of the people, the priest would have to take off his garments. And then they say that he had the bells on his tunic so that in case he dies in there, they can tell that the man is dead. So what they will also do is they will tie a rope on the priest when he goes into the Holy of Holies so that in case he dies in there, no one is going to go there to pull them out so they can just pull him with a rope. Imagine that. It means that the presence of God is so holy, is so magnificent, but it's also dangerous. So we only want to talk about the magnificence of the holiness of God, but we forget that if you don't serve him the way we ought to serve him, he can also take you out. I know we don't want to hear someone like that, right? So I was just thinking, I'm so grateful I'm a pastor, I'm a priest in the new covenant, because I wonder, Jonah, if they will pull me out if I die in the presence of God. You know, imagine you're a priest and then you go in there and you're bringing the sacrifice. There were two reasons why the priest would die. Sometimes they said, those Bible scholars, it's probably because the priest did not follow the right ritual cleansing to get into the presence of God. Imagine that. And then secondly, the other reason was the priest will be so stunned by the glory of God that they don't want to leave, that they even end up dying in there. How's that? The presence of God. You just want to stay there in the presence of God. I guess it was a taste of heaven on earth. But here's the good news. When Jesus died on the cross, he opened the turn curtain so that all of us can go into the presence of God, into the Holy of Holies, and we get to experience the presence of God without being killed. Thank you, Jesus. You come the way you are in the presence of God. You come as you are, because even though Christ's standard is up here, His grace is deep enough to bring you to His standard. The standard of Christ is up here. The standard of holiness is up here. But His grace is deep enough to pull you. It's a foundation to bring us into the presence of God. Amen. So, as we're building towards this amazing priest, the final priest and the final sacrifice, Jesus, I want you to know that let us be careful that we don't put our trust on the finite men and women of God. Let us not put our trust on men and women of God. Now, I'm speaking to people who have uh, put so much exaltation on pastors in our country that we forget that we are priesthood of our Lord ourselves. We are all a royal priesthood. Let me just bring it close to home. The priest had to sacrifice for himself first and then for the people. But now, in the days that we are in, we are able to come into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God ourselves. So, let us be careful that we don't put our trust on human beings, put our trust on men and women. And sadly, many people have fallen and have been disappointed because they put their trust on a human being and not on God. We as pastors and ministers of the gospel, we are just people who are here to equip you for the works of service, to be all that God has called you to be.
So what I've loved about being part of Every Nation, I know that I look very young, but I've been with Every Nation for 30 years, is that we don't have the men and women of God in Every Nation. Yes, people are called, we have different callings, but we need to understand that we are all a royal priesthood. We are all able to enter into the Holy of Holies. So you ask yourself a question, why have people fallen into priests who would tell them to eat grass? Why would people be sprayed with doom and still go to the church? Their trust is in the person and not in God. The second thing is the problem with lambs. In this passage, the author of Hebrews highlights two weaknesses of the sacrifice itself. Lambs also die and imagine, every year they had to go and confess their sins. So every Sunday there was someone coming with a sacrifice to confess their sins. Let me ask you a question. Maybe you say, well, I've confessed, I'm all done, I'm not going to do it again. Does anyone here will be bold enough to say, you know, I confess something to the Lord that I'll never do it again, and I never did it again. Maybe I'm the only one who keeps doing it again. I want to tell you that that system was unsustainable. It was not sustainable. It means that millions and millions of animals will be sacrificed every single year when we could be having steak. <laughs> Peter Coffee fills me. When we could be having a bride, they're sacrificing the animals. And I think my son will not be impressed. One time we took him with us uh, to Boataville and... Uh, he saw a cow being slaughtered for the first time. As a, as a, as a suburban boy, he says, Dad, they are abusing the cow. <laughs> At least now he's learned that there's nothing wrong with having a bry meat, bry flesh. <laughs> Let me bring your attention to this. Imagine in those days the type of sins that people committed and then they had to go over and over and over again to offer sacrifices. Let's read Hebrews 10, verse 3 to 4. The Bible says, but in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It means that whatever you try to do for the blood of bulls to take away your sin, they will not be able to wash away your sin. You need the blood of Jesus. It is the blood of Jesus that is able to take away sins once and for all. You know, we need to understand that even in the days that we're living in, it's so sad that there are still people who are offering sacrifices. Can you believe it? There are still people, I don't know if they don't read the New Testament. There's a church in the East Rand that encourages people to offer sacrifices. And I'm like, which Bible are you reading? The Bible is clear that bulls and lambs will not be able to take away sin, only the blood of Jesus. And why that system was unsustainable is because unholy people deserve death. And yet Jesus took the death for us. This was a perennial problem with lambs, expecting animals to be sacrificed year in, year out. Now let me bring it close to home. 
some of you will say, okay, we're talking about lambs in the Old Testament. We're talking about things that happened in the Old Testament. You know, those lambs were almost like idols because people would worship idols in those days. And some of them would even make golden calves to worship these lambs, to worship these golden calves. And I want to tell you today that we actually do have different forms of idols. So idols are things that tries to take the place of God in our lives. Idols are things that tries to take the very holy place of God in our lives. Let me give you some examples of idols. Let's bring it to close. Do you realize that our careers can become idols? The work that you do can become an idol. Do you realize that your car can become an idol? Gentlemen, I'm just preaching to you this morning. Ladies, do you realize that your shoes can become an idol? Okay, let's bring it closer to home. Prestige can become an idol. Cultures can become an idol. Political parties can become an idol. We think that these things can save us, but only Jesus can save us. Let me talk a little bit about culture. Sometimes we forget that actually we are children of God before we belong to any tribal group. I'm a child of God before I am a Motswana. I'm a child of God. And I know for some people they struggle with this because you've taken your identity and your identity is in the tribe that you're part of instead of in the tribe of Christ. Our identity should be in Christ first. Let us not make our cultures our own idol. We need to identify with Christ first. Consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. Let him be the one that you draw identity from, not from the things of this world. In case you were wondering, so Pastor Sai, what about Africans people? I remember when I visited Nigeria on a mission trip. As I said, I used to be a missions pastor. There was this colored lady who was on the mission with us. And then when people were asking us which different tribal groups we are from, and when they got to her, she said, I'm from the Kalat tribe. It is a tribe too. Can I hear amen to that? So Africans, you're also a tribe. You can speak to me after the service in case you think you don't belong to Africa. You do belong to Africa. Can I hear amen to that? Some people live in the country because they feel like they're not accepted in South Africa. As a black person, I'm saying you are welcome in Africa. You are part of family. We need to bring down idolization of cultures. Let's go to our final point. The final sacrifice, which is Jesus. In this passage, the author of Hebrews tells us, Jesus offers a better covenant, a better priest and a better sacrifice. I love this because when you read verse 22, it says that, Jesus is the guarantor of a better covenant. Jesus guarantees a better covenant. The verses that we read, verse 24, it says, He holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Jesus continues forever. He holds his priesthood forever. He's not like the finite priests who will die, who are fallen men and women. Jesus 
Verse 25, the Bible says, Consequently, he's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. He's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to him. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. Now, I was asking myself this question. We have this uh, prayer platform. Some of you, you join us. 6 a.m. every morning from 6 to 7, we pray for our nation. We pray that things in our nation will change. This prayer started three years ago during COVID, where we started praying and trusting God to help people to survive during that time. But then we continue to pray for our nation that revival will come to our land. Pastor Kofi has been part of that prayer where we are just praying with almost 100 intercessors to see change in our country. But I was wondering as I read this verse of Scripture, of all the things that Jesus can do in heaven, He is interceding for us. Of all the things that He can do, He can just sit there and worship the Father. He can just sit there and offer communion every single day. He can just sit there and have bright place every single day. But He chooses to intercede for us. He chooses to pray for us. What a kind of a shepherd is He. What kind of a priest is he? And then as I was studying it, I came to this realization. The reason why he's constantly interceding for us is because we have an enemy. We have an enemy who's constantly accusing us before the Father. Go and read the book of Job. We have this enemy who's constantly accusing us. The devil is accusing us before the Father. The Bible says Jesus is advocating for us before the Father. He's interceding. He's standing in the gap before the Father. The enemy is perennially accusing us. Jesus is perennially interceding. The enemy is accusing. Jesus is interceding. Let's read verse 26 and verse 27. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest. Holy. Imagine that. Holy. Jesus is a high priest who's holy who's innocent, unstained, separated or set apart, just like we are being set apart this year from sinners and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests that we spoke about this morning, to offer sacrifices daily. Thank you, Jesus. First for his own sins and for the sins of other people. Since he, Jesus, Offered the sacrifice once and for all. His sacrifice was the final sacrifice. Can I hear amen to that? Jesus makes the guarantee for a better covenant. So as I begin to close, all that I've shared was just introduction. Now the sermon begins. Let's go to the next slide. You know, in the Old Testament, the priests that we've been talking about, they would wear garments, the Bible says, for glory and for beauty. If you go and read Exodus 28, it describes the garments that they had to wear in order to be able to serve the people of God. These garments, they were showing God's holiness, God's glory, God's beauty. When you look at this picture, they wore a turban, and this turban had a gold-plated a, a, a ring that they had to wear on their foreheads that was written, Holy unto the Lord. 
It's amazing that the priest had to walk around reminding people that I've been set apart for the work of representing you before the Lord. So he was set apart to be holy unto the Lord. The second thing we see from this garment that he's wearing here is that there were two onyx stones. And on the onyx stones, there were the names of Israel, the leaders of Israel. So he was carrying them on his shoulders all the time, praying for them, interceding for them. There's something significant about that. And the Bible says his breastplate, the 12 precious stones were the tribes of Israel. So he was carrying the tribes of Israel in his heart. All the time he was carrying them, praying for them, interceding for them. You look there, he was wearing a purple uh, tunic that represented uh, royalty, that represented holiness before the Lord. It was a kingly garment. And then underneath he had a, a, a robe that was made out of linen. And underneath that he was also wearing another undergarment that is made out of linen that was seamless. Sounds like the undergarment that Jesus was wearing when he was crucified. And then when you look at that blue tunic, right at the bottom, they had those bells that I mentioned earlier, which when he goes into the Holy of Holies, those bells can ring to say that, hey, he's still alive or he might be dead. We need to pull him out. Let's go to the next slide. But Jesus has a different kind of garment of beauty. So I want us to look at this and just look at how Jesus stands out as a different kind of priest. And the reason why Jesus stands out is so that you and I can see that holiness is being restored in Jesus and you and I can be able to enter the Holy of Holies. The first thing is Jesus wore no fine linen turban on his head, but rather a painful crown of thorns. Jesus had no golden head plate reading holiness unto God, but a life of death showing nothing but holiness to God. Jesus wore no beautiful effort, that breastplate, only a purple robe. Because Jesus was carrying the tribe of Israel in his heart, willing to die for them. Jesus had no precious stones on his shoulders, only the cross that went on his shoulders. Jesus had no breastplate with Israel on his heart, yet he died, for, he died of a broken heart for all mankind. Verse 6, Jesus had a seamless robe that was not torn, but it was stripped away at the cross. Jesus had no delicate sounds of bells proving that the high priest was alive. Only the sound of the pounding nails ensuring his death. He was a different kind of priest. Jesus had no linen undergarments to hide his nakedness. Rather, he bore our sins on the cross in nakedness, carrying our shame. That's our priest. Athanasius, one of the African theologians, said this. He became what we are, he became what we are so that he can make us what he is. He became what we are so that he can, we can become like him. Jesus is the final sacrifice. So with this contrast of the old priest 
who have finitude. We're looking at the different priest who is infinite. We look at the lambs that died and that were unsustainable. We have a lamb who was slain before the foundations of the world, who lives into eternity. You know, I was so blown away just uh, as I was studying this that when we talk about the process of restoration, holiness being restored, there is a refinement that we go through that I shared with right at the beginning. And this refinement, we don't want it, but it's actually for our own good so that holiness can be restored. When you read into the history of Japan, there's a, a principle of kintsugi, if you can go to that slide. Kintsugi, it's a principle where they take a broken pottery and they restore the broken pottery using golden lacquer, meaning that they will use a liquid gold to fix a bowls that have been destroyed, that have been broken. But what is so amazing about this process of restoring broken bowls or broken pottery, what really, really amazes me about this process, it is after it has been restored, it's much more beautiful and it's stronger than it was before. How is that for God? You take the very same principle when we've gone through the refinement, when we've gone through tough things, even what we're going through as a nation, I believe we will come out more beautiful and stronger in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let us clap for the Lord on that. I believe it, and I'm hoping that you can believe with me. Take this word for yourself personally, how holiness is restored going through the process of refinement, the rituals that the priests will go through. We don't have to go through that. Going through the process of gold being refined at 1,000 degrees Celsius and then personally going through trials that like, where is God when I go through this trial? But I'm here to tell you that that process of refinement is for holiness to be restored. The process of refinement in our government is so that holiness can be restored in our government. Holiness can be restored that men and women of faith can rise up and take positions of influence. Let us stand to pray. This should be our response with the scripture that I'm going to read for us. This should be our response. Looking at the priests of hold who could not restore holiness. Looking at the lambs that could not restore holiness. We have Jesus, the final sacrifice, who takes us through the process of refinement so we can be holy. When I read First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, this is our response. This is what God says to us. But you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Thank you, Jesus. We are a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Thank you, Jesus. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people 
Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. One of our cries as a nation is that we can get to this point where children of God can see that we are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. Despite all that's happening in our country, I believe that children of God will rise and be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. I believe that the children of the Lord will become a holy nation, a people for his own possession, to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this time in the word. Lord, I pray that we'll realize that the times when we go through refinement, through purification, it is for our own good. Lord, I pray that we will pray like Job who said, when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. I pray that we will realize that the times of testing is to restore holiness, Father God, is to bring back holiness in our lives in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, help us to embrace those trials, mighty God. Help us to embrace those moments of refinement and purification, Father God, because God, you're molding us into a holy nation. You're molding us into a royal priesthood. You're molding us in a people for your possession, Father God. Mighty God, I pray for people that are here that may be facing trials, Father God. May they see that through those trials, holiness is being restored. Holiness is being restored. Holiness is being restored. Some of you who are here today, you may be feeling like you want to quit. You've been at it for a long time and you're like, where is God? When is God going to come through? We want to take this moment to pray for you because this is a family moment. When we come together, we want to stand with each other. As it was said earlier, we will not go out the same way that we came in. So if you came here this morning and you're just going through a trial, you're going through a rough patch. Yes, it's still early in the year, but things have been difficult. The year started very difficult for you, whether it's in your marriage, in your business, your family, at work, whatever it may be, I want you to just raise your hand wherever you are so we can pray with you. We can be family. If you're going through a trial, whatever the trial may be, we don't want you to drown under the trial. Just be bold. Raise your hand and say, I need prayer. I need someone to stand with me right now. Just raise your hand so we can stand with you. Friends, let's go around these people and just lay hands on them. Let's pray for them and trust God that he will see them through the trial. He will see them through the storm in the name of Jesus Christ. Through this process of refinement, whatever trial, whatever tribulation, whatever pain that you may be facing, you're not alone. You are not alone. You're not alone. Father, I pray for all these people who have raised their hands, mighty God. May they know that, God, they can embrace the season of refinement. Like the priest of old will go through different trials, Lord God, to come into the Holy of Holies. We have the final sacrifice that Jesus, who's taking care of it all on the cross. Father, we pray, Lord God, that they will be encouraged in their heart right now. Encouraged in their heart right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we know that your word encouragement means to add courage. To add courage, Father God. Give them courage to stand through the trial. We ask this in the name of Jesus. You can put your hands down. 
I also want to pray for this congregation. I want to pray specifically for the next season of this congregation. As I've been praying this week leading up to coming here, I really felt the Lord says, you're going to enter a season of growth. And in the season of growth, there are going to be challenges that come with it. But the Lord has taken care of all the challenges. The Lord has taken care of all the challenges. I want to pray that God will bring people from around this neighborhood who desperately need Him, who desperately need Him, that they will come into this building. Father, thank you that a season of growth is upon this congregation because they are here as a beacon of light. They are here as a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, Father God. They are here to shine your light, mighty God. And I pray that your name will be glorified. Your name will be glorified. You've taken care of the growth challenges, Father God. There will be a peace that passes all understanding. A peace that passes all understanding. The shalom of God. Nothing broken, nothing missing. To the glory of your name, Father. Lord, we thank you for all who serve. We say your blessing upon the mighty God. Your blessing upon them, Father God. We pray for all the leaders. We speak a blessing upon them, Father. And Lord, I pray for people that are here who may have been losing hope on this nation, South Africa. I pray that they will trust again. They will believe again. And they will hope again in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Let's give God the praise.